Hi, and welcome to the RPG Academy Show and Tell. Show and Tell is a show where we bring on someone from the RPG space and talk about something cool they're working on. I'm Mo. Today we're going to talk to the creators of Witches of Midnight RPG. Content warning, this is related to our current Kickstarter. I'm Gavin. I'm the lead designer and co-author of Witches of Midnight. I'm Andrea, and I'm also a co-author um, of Witches of Midnight, and we also have a huge crew uh, that also write for us and design for us, and so that's why we call ourselves a game collective. Yeah. You guys are smart. You're not trying <laughs> to write a whole game by yourself. <laughs> Only silly people do that. <laughs> we, we did the bulk of it yeah. ourselves, but um, what you know, once the we decided the Kickstarter was coming around the corner, mm-hmm. we wanted to beef up our team and make sure that we had enough people to cover everything, so that uh, everybody has a little extra time to spend making sure the game comes out just perfect. Yeah, I wrote a couple of games myself, so I consider myself silly. Um, <laughs> when did you guys get into game design? I guess this was my my first uh, little uh, dabble into the the whole game design thing. Um, I did mostly the like fictional, um, like lore kind of stuff, and Gavin's more of the mechanics uh, guy. <laughs> so yeah. we make a pretty good team in in that way. Yeah. Yeah, uh, personally, I've been designing games since I was about 15 years old. I'm uh, significantly older than that now. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, started out with a calculator with a randomization feature. I'd never heard of D&D or (laughs) anything else of that nature. So I thought I was uh, inventing the wheel. But it turns (laughs) out that that tabletop games already existed. Uh, So (laughs) I I cut my teeth on a uh, Final uh, Fantasy-based tabletop game that i made up where we used a chessboard for uh uh our encounters map. nice yep. <laughs> and uh yeah graduated from there to D and then um to world of darkness and that held my attention for a good 20 or 25 years <laughs> nice. um and then uh we during the early parts of the pandemic we decided that we were gonna uh, really jump in with both feet and actually make a game. Um, so yeah, that's what we've done. So from the TI 85, all the <laughs> yeah, way exactly. to the first kickstarted RPG. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are the uh, themes and tones and feelings of uh, Witches of Midnight? Yeah. Uh, so I would say the theme is witches banding together to overcome adversity and make their mark on the world however it is they choose to do it. Um, the, the feel of the game is a bit on the dark and mature side, um, but that's really up to the lore weaver, which is our version of the game master, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and the players to sort of come up with that during their session zero. So we give them a lot of tools to uh, build their campaign out based on what the players want to see happen in the game. So, And is it more Cthulhu? Uh, unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to read your game yet. Oh, it's all right. But that, it just means my questions are going to really come from a, a genuine place. Uh, <laughs> is it more Cthulhu? Is it more kind of superhero-y? I feel like, they're, like witches have... Uh, I played a couple witch games in the last couple of years and yeah. 
like they could be anything you know they really can um uh, i've seen uh people play um what's that 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 warm and fuzzy game that came out of the gauntlet um where your aunties solving murders golden girl solving murders yeah, yeah. Uh, Brindlewood Bay. Brindle, I've seen Brindlewood Bay oh. played with witches. So <laughs> nice. That's, that that sounds fun. awesome, actually. Um, We're so, huge fans of Brindlewood Bay. Uh, so, so yeah, absolutely. What kind of witch game is this? So um, yeah, so our elevator pitch is um, Witches of Midnight is a modern horror game about magic. Uh, it's about ma- making your intentions a reality. Your decisions as a player matter and your actions have meaningful consequences. You and your coven mates design the broad strokes of your campaign at the table with your lore weaver. Mm-hmm. And a couple of simple decisions uh, are made that help you tweak the game. Then you play to find out uh, all the answers to the mysteries that you yourself set into motion. Hmm. Uh, so to uh, answer your question, which I have uh, now blanked on, <laughs> uh, what, what kind of game is it? What ki- yeah. Yeah. So that, again, that's heavily dependent on uh, the players and what they want to see in the game. But we've got uh, Elder God influences in the game coming from several factions. Uh, so if you want to thwart those then those are good enemies for you. But if you want to join them and try to bring the elder gods to your world, uh, then you can be, you can ally with them and do the same, or you can completely forge your own path. Mm. Um, There are some grimoires that do play in a sort of superheroic way. Mm -hmm. Storm witches, especially um, they have great flying straight out of the gate. Um, Mm-hmm. shapeshifters uh are fantastic they, those are the two that feel most like a superhero game mm-hmm. um some of the other character classes which we call grimoires are far more um uh sort of step-by-step magic right uh, we have arcanists who work with uh magical potions. items and potions and things like that um and so yeah if you want to get into sort of the grittier side of the magic system uh most of the grimoires do that but there are a few that play in a very superheroic way um there's a lot of deconstruction of religion if you're into that kind of thing um there are a lot of factions that basically uh all of the religions of humanity kind of uh formed into one uh they sort of coalesced around sort of the finery of the catholic church Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can find people of any religion within that group. Um, one of our campaigns, uh, they had a dream in the very first episode that they were going to fight the Pope in a Final Fantasy-esque style final <laughs> battle. Um, and they're, they're just waiting for that to come true in maybe season three. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't show a Pope in the first act. Pull it out at the end. <laughs> yeah nice um how do the players interact like you said the the instead of playbooks or character classes you have grimoire like if i was gonna jump in this game and play it um what would my choices be and uh um i used i grew up playing champions 
Mm-hmm. So, um, one of my questions is always, how long does it take to make a character? <laughs> yeah, it takes about as long as it takes to make a character in any other Forged in the Dark game. Um, mm. It's pretty simple, straightforward. Um, your grimoire is basically your playbook, and you get to make all the same fun decisions that you do in any other game. And I, I would say that it when we we took and played with people who had never played before, just mm-hmm. to get feedback like that. And it, I think it took them... Uh, with all of us about an hour max gotcha. but if you were doing it you know one-on-one by yourself and you knew kind of a, you could probably get it uh done in like 15 20 minutes yeah cool. once you've made a character or two it might yeah. even only take five minutes um it's a matter of filling out i think 10 dots and making a couple decisions about your starting powers and that's mm-hmm. about it um you make a unique character every time though regardless of your your choices so why yeah. is that uh, you have a lot of uh, interesting choices like your casting style. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we don't want to presume anything about the way you want to play a witch in our game, none of our, our grimoires have uh, religious intonations built into them. Right. So you can bring your own casting style. You could say, my character is a Christian witch and wants to... and the way they cast spells is they hold a crucifix up to their chest mm-hmm. and shout in the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and then it happens. And that's a decision they can make. It's uh, it's almost like a difficulty slider. The more difficult you make it to cast your spells, uh, the more difficult it might be in the game for you. So if you want to have something very easy, you could say, I speak my words into existence. And right. that's that uh, you are saying, uh, if my voice gets taken away for some reason, I won't be able to cast. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the, the difficulty slider of it. Uh, you could say, I cast with a wand, or you could say, I cast with this particular wand. So then if you get that you know uh, disarmed, uh, you're going to have to overcome those obstacles. And those obstacles give you experience. Um, so. I was going to say that another thing that makes... Um, more choices for character creation is we have a thing that we've been calling heritages, which mm-hmm. gives you, they're like based on uh, ancient magical creatures like um, the Gorgon, the Minotaur, harpies, um, plants, um, um, like plant people. I'm trying to think yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, so mandrakes. you have mandrakes and then we have um, gobs and then you could be a Median, which is what we call our like standard human person who doesn't have any feet because if you choose to be like let's say a minotaur you can have horns and all kind of aesthetic things that make you make your character feel really uh personal for you hmm. and so you do get bonuses you get um uh, potence on actions where your heritage traits are of assistance uh so it's there's a mechanical benefit as well um but you get to choose all of your heritage traits yourself so you could decide to play an Asterion, which is the Minotaur, and just say, well, my character doesn't really have any traits yet that mark him as an Asterion, but I'm going to, I know I'm going to evolve him in that direction. And then as the game goes on and you take Fey bargains, you might decide, oh, well, maybe part of this bargain is I start to get horn buds mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to either hide those if I want to look like I'm human or... Maybe I'll just uh, wear it and let people know, uh, you know, that I'm a little bit different. 
And um, just to be clear, this is taking place in a modernish kind of world. Yeah, it it's is. an alternate history modern uh, game that is set in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. um, we call Manhattan Midnight. It's just like the general area. So you can make your own maps and all that kind of fun stuff. And that's what right. we've done is we've just um, in the games that we've played, we've taken a map of New York and like every island is a different faction. And it's really um, it helps kind of ground it in reality a little bit more, I think. Why did you choose Manhattan in particular? It was just a big city where a lot of people could fit and it's got a classic look and feel that we liked. We kind of went with the more art deco beginning of New York as kind of like our aesthetic uh, yeah. inspiration. So we liked that. And uh, yeah, it was just at this personal preference. Yeah, uh, there. And as we sort of wrote more lore into the game, mm -hmm. we realized we could use it as a. Uh, a way of talking about immigration. Uh, we're extreme leftists. <laughs> so we want to make sure that that comes out in our games. Yeah. Um, so we really wanted to talk about immigration. Uh, witches in our game feel drawn to Midnight, um, the, the city known as Manhattan, or sorry, the borough of Manhattan, but specifically New York City. Uh, so witches are drawn there. Uh, when they pass the Statue of Liberty, uh, they are enveloped in a uh, permanent night, uh, hence the name Midnight. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a place where there are a lot of powerful people at play because all of the really powerful people, uh, the people who want to change the world for some reason get drawn there. Uh, the rest of, uh, because it's an alternate history, uh, we have, and the change happens around uh, the 16th century. So witches have had a long time to integrate with society. So um, they're part of popular culture. They're part of sports. Uh, you know, they're part of uh, every facet of life. But that doesn't stop the average mundane person from fearing them. Uh, and some of the factions will stoke that fear to uh, try to exert their own will. And that happens all across Midnight. What are some uh, cinematic kind of touchstones that people might um, like get feels for? Um, yeah, um, I have a list. Uh, it's <laughs> literally on like the fourth page of the book. Um, I would say one of the weird ones that surprises people is Priest. Um, Let's yeah. see. Um, I think you know, on a more, if you want to play a more cartoony toned down side, we took a lot of inspiration from the Owl House and um, Adventure Time and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, Studio all, Ghibli. Studio Ghibli, all the way up to um, like uh, Salem, which is a very scary uh, witch show. <laughs> yeah. It has very villainous witches. Um, the and, uh, new Sabrina, the, the teenage new Sabrina, witch. Yeah, any any kind of witch media, really, um, you can find a way to play that out in Midnight if that's what you want to do. Yeah. Oh, another big touchstone was there. Are a, a lot of them end up being TV shows we've noticed, <laughs> um, but uh, Motherland Fort Salem yeah, is one. also a really good one. Very underrated. Not a lot of people know about it, but you should watch it. <laughs> once people see it, they're like, oh, oh yeah, I see your game in that. I, I see that as a very rare thing people would ch choose to, to grab onto, um, but they could have a really good time with it. I uh, haven't because, seen that show at all. Yeah, it's, it's so uh, good. It's 
the the um, description of it is a complete turnoff to us. <laughs> it's about witches in the military, but it is so much better than it sounds. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny when you say we start a, a show, uh, a game in Manhattan. I'm like, and so then you get familiars or you get coupled up and you move to Jersey or Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> know uh, that was one of the things I was going to say. One of the changes in the game world is that uh, since it happened so early, chattel slavery never happened. Uh, 9-11 never happened. Like uh, Native Americans have much more influence over politics and the land and everything like that. Yeah. Manhattan and New York City is the only popular, the only non-natively populated land. And that's because of a treaty signed back in the 16th century. So um, if once you if you want to play anywhere else in the United States, we have a sort of toolkit for sort of making your own little um, colony mm-hmm. um, on an area that is cursed. Uh, basically, <laughs> either you took it and uh, they're not happy about it, so you have to play with a sort of active curse, uh, or, uh, you know, uh, usually it's... Um, something terrible happened there and that's the reason why it's an abandoned place that uh you're able to um live within so yeah that's intriguing um, <laughs> I, I i like i like uh i like the idea of it um so you have just talked about and around some really interesting things uh <laughs> Uh, you said this is Fortune in the Dark. You yeah. said there's a scale for theme and tone. Um, yeah. How how do you actually play this game? Like how is how is this game mechanically? I don't want to say different from D and D, but how does it work? Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, it, it needs to be different from D and D. We we had to we absolutely had to get away from the like colonialist uh, backing of of D and D and the like going into dungeons, taking everything, and then leaving and selling it it's just yeah so antithetical to us um but uh yeah as far as uh why we chose forged in the dark the forged in the dark rule set is extremely robust it's perfect for playing a cohesive group so in our case that would be a coven in blades in the dark you could do a cult uh as your crew type we originally started off with the idea that this could be set in the Blades in the Dark world and just give you rules for playing a coven and playing grimoires. But we realized pretty early on that we had a much broader idea for the game world than could fit within that sort of pseudo-Victorian game. We also were inspired a lot by Werewolf, which is probably our favorite World of Darkness game. And so a lot of that came into the system as well. but uh, as far as what makes us, uh, what made us choose Forged in the Dark, it's sort of the intentionality of the way you take actions. When you, when you choose to do an action, you describe the fiction of your action, but then you describe what you intend to accomplish. And to us, that felt like the perfect system for witches because it is all about your intention. It's about speaking your intention, mm-hmm. manifesting your inten- intentions. So that was that was uh, almost that was pretty much a no-brainer for us that mm-hmm. Forged into the Dark was the way to go. Uh, 
In addition to that, it's also a consent-based system. Uh, hmm. When you describe your action to your lore weaver, your lore weaver is going to come back to you and describe to you some of maybe some of the potential pitfalls of the action you're taking. Uh, so that when you take that action, you've already consented to, if I roll this, this is the way I might fail, or this is the way I might succeed. Uh, and then on top of that, as an extra layer, even if you are surprised by a consequence, you can always just say no to that consequence. And uh, there's uh, resistance. Yeah, make a resistance roll and move on. Uh, so consent and, and uh, intention, you had us from the get-go. But what makes us different from the other Forged in the Dark games is probably Wild Magic. Uh, Wild Magic is really the core of Witches of Midnight, mm -hmm. and that is a power that all characters have from start, you know, the, the uh, lowliest of starting characters to a character who's uh, been going for many seasons. Um, you can draw on your grimoire, your aspect, which is a tarot card based on your character, and your heritage to create a unique effect and cast that. Uh, we like to describe them as similar to the face melting scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> uh, that's the kind of power we're talking about. Sort of sucks all of the magic out of your local reality and makes your will happen in a, on a large scale. You can use that to teleport around uh, the world if you wanted to. The, the problem or the the drawback is that you are... There are consequences for the, wild magic. You will face, uh, on, on a poor roll, you will face arcane consequences. Uh, we've had characters get uh, their entire group teleported into Arcadia, where they had no way to escape uh, when they first got there. Uh, we had a group of characters that actually got trapped in Wonderland um, <laughs> and, and had to find their way out. Uh, we've had characters who got shapeshifted into other forms and uh, were forced to swim in the ocean back to their covenstead to uh, to join up with their allies later. So uh, the there's a huge table of fun effects, or you know, more often than not, as a forged in the dark game, uh, your lore weaver is just going to have something ready on the top of their head. Uh, but you can draw some tarot cards and figure out uh, a uh, a complication very very quickly yeah so our game is kind of played with both dice and tarot cards um every character picks their own major arcana card that kind of uh is the uh, to represent who they are and represent uh how they're going to play their character in a way um and at the end of the game a session when you're getting experience you can kind of get some experience based on your tarot card um, with the dice, once you have, you know, your um, skills and magical powers and everything, everything is based on D6, and um, which makes it really easy. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot of math. You just count successes, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is, you know, what we took that from uh, Werewolf and World of Darkness. It's It was just a, a much simpler way, um, which is great for me <laughs> <laughs> we play it online a lot yes. so uh having a d6 based system makes everything run a lot more smoothly i'm a programmer for my day job so i wrote a bot for us uh takes care of all the dice rolling 
takes care of all the drawing tarot cards and things like that. But I like to keep a deck beside me for inspiration. Uh, if the players are meeting a new NPC, I'll shuffle up my deck and just pull a card and get an idea for what that character might look like. Yeah, it's a great GM's tool. You can keep yourself moving uh, more easily with, you know, if you get stuck, pull a tarot card. Oh, you guys are going to have to face a swordsman, you know? <laughs> what if I don't know anything about tarot cards and I just think they're pretty pictures? Mm -hmm. our our game is going to be coming with a deck if you would like and in the book or maybe even separately i can't remember i think it's going to be separate. going to be separately you're going to get a guidebook that tells you what all the cards mean and you get that with pretty much any tarot deck that you buy it comes with a book full of what all the meanings are so if you ever get confused you can you know flip open the book and see what that card means and eventually you'll start remembering what everything means uh, but for players uh you don't actually have to know the meaning of the card you can literally yeah. uh if the card is death i mean you can take the name of the card being death and use that as an inspiration for your character you can also take any of the imagery that's on that card so if there's a vulture on that card say um and you happen to do something that feels vulture to you, something you scavenge something as part of your quest, uh, your undertaking that is, uh, then uh, your the other players might grant you an extra experience at the end of the session based on the fact that you did something that was in line with the tarot card. Um, whether it, it's the meaning of the tarot card or not is inconsequential. Yeah. Um, but if you can pull that meaning in, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it gives you an extra way of gaining experience because you might say, oh, this is the tower card. It shows a person falling off a tower. Uh, I fell out of the building today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you could also, if you know more of the esoteric meanings uh, and you can share that with your group, then they're probably going to grant you the experience and then everybody's learned something. So, Can you tell me a bit more about um these the scale of tone and how that works is that just lines and veils dressed up or is that well, more mechanized yeah so there are uh, there is a lines and veils uh sheet that is specific to our game so it has all the things that are specific like religious intonation and uh uh harming religious institutions and things like that are all lines and veils. So you have all of that sort of laid out for you. Anything that we think the game is going to touch on. Then we have other stuff that might be more personal, like phobias and things like that. Um, and yeah, that is a classic lines and veils. But on top of that, uh, as part of the session zero, uh, we also are going, we're bringing you some questions uh, that you There's don't a whole questionnaire. Yeah, a big questionnaire. You don't have to answer the questions. You sort of mark the questions you want to know the answer to during the course of the game. And that's really what sets the tone is if you decide uh, we want to know about this NPC, Sovereign Morningstar, that's the leader of the order, the Witchfinder General, if you will. Uh, uh, we want to learn more about his origin. Uh, you don't have to answer that question right there on the form, but you can sort of put a check mark beside it and say, that's something we want to get into during this game. Then you have already started to set the tone. And you can even start giving a little tidbits and say, let's find the answer to that. Let's make it a love story. 
let's find the answer to this other question about what the Fae are doing in Midnight, uh, but let's make the answer to that question uh, about betrayal. So you, you really do get to set the tone in a really strong way. Uh, we have 22 factions and only one of them, I would say, is irredeemably evil. <laughs> <laughs> the rest are all definitely shades of gray. Um, and uh, yeah, so much, so much fun. Uh, there are fey factions. Um, there are, you know, witch hunter factions. There are religious factions. There are some cults. There are several witch factions uh, that follow their own practices. Um, There's also, um, we've kind of built into the game, the idea that witches will get their powers, you know, at a certain period in time, and you can decide when that period in time is. So say you wanted to play the Owl House, you could say that your coven of witches all got their powers as children. And if you were like, I don't want to play kids, and I want to be more serious and scary, you could say that, you know, witches don't get their power until later in life. So you don't have to... Uh, feel weird or you know like you're playing your child if you don't want to yeah yeah that's one of the questionnaire items that you actually do get to you do have to answer is at what age does a witch gain their wild magic um and that's a great cutoff point like yeah. she said uh for letting you know we're not going to tell stories about people that are younger than that so yeah. if you want to make that 21 or you want to make it 40 or 50 totally fine yeah it'll very much change the tone of the game and we're there for it mm -hmm. like super there for it especially if somebody wanted to do a 40 or 50 or 60 year old uh campaign where all the characters are are much older i think that'd be amazing that's awesome that you guys center consent so much um it's something i'm mindful of but not something i am uh necessarily looking for in games um i i like to try to figure out like you know what game are we playing mm -hmm. and you know where are the guardrails and mm -hmm. um let, let's play that game and mm -hmm. even in that you know there's a lot of opportunity for uh misconstruing intention and that's what the x cards for in my opinion mm -hmm. yeah. but uh it's awesome that you guys um build it in to each step of the game and uh make it fun yeah yeah, we're really trying. Iron Sworn, uh, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to play it. It's a GMless yeah. game. Uh, and, and its world building is top notch. Uh, when you uh, start a game, you get a blank map and you get to say on square X is where this happened. And, uh, and there's a huge questionnaire and some of the answers are already filled out. So you can choose A, B, C, or D as the reason there are swords, uh, giant 10-story swords stabbed into the ground at this location. You can choose from one of their pre-made answers, or there's an E, and it's a blank, and you write in your own. Um, and so, yeah, you build your entire game that way. And so that was a pretty big inspiration for us. And then there's a lesser-known uh, Forged in the Dark game called A Fistful of Darkness. Mm -hmm. It's a Weird West hack, and his world-building, Stefan Strzok, is amazing yeah. it really puts it uh all in the hands of the players and the gm uh lets you do sort of a round robin of everybody detailing out where things happened in the world where towns are where these uh holes that descend all the way to hell uh that were used to be mines where those are 
Um, yeah, it's just beautiful. And so we were definitely inspired by that. We wanted to make a game that could be whatever you needed it to be, which media runs the gamut. Yeah. And we wanted to make sure that if you came in inspired by Motherland Fort Salem, you would be able to play that in our world. Um, but if you were inspired by Salem, you could come in and play that in our world as well. So, yeah. Nice. Um, where's the community around this game? Where, where, where do people who want to be in touch with you hang out? I guess we're, we're mostly on Discord is where we spend a lot of our time and talk to the most people. Um, we stream every other Tuesday and um, we have a pretty good community on Twitch there. Uh, although there's lots of overlap. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of our biggest places that we uh, make contact with people. Yeah, Twitter as well is where mm -hmm. we meet a lot of uh, new people. Um, but yeah, Discord, we have a really great community manager that works over there with us. And uh, yeah, I run all the Twitters and things <laughs> like that uh, to keep everything moving. Um, where can people find that Discord? So everything that we have is at Balsamic Games. Mm -hmm. um, just like the uh, type of moon or the uh, type of condiment for your pizza. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but at Midnight Kith is the uh, the actual Twitter for the game. Um, Kith being like the uh, sort of fey variant of children. So um, let's see. Um, and, and we have an Instagram and uh do we, I don't think we have yeah. a Facebook. Yeah, we do. Oh, we do. We have a Facebook. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> any any uh, social media you look at, uh, Balsamic Games, yeah, we're us. there. Uh, and we will direct people to our Discord. Link uh, tree and all that good yeah, stuff. Yeah, fully open. Nice. And if people wanted to support you or purchase yeah. uh, Witches of Midnight, where would they go? Uh, so the best place to go is witchesofmidnight.games. Uh, that will take you to our website. And then from there, you can find the Kickstarter. You can also find a lot more information. Uh, we will have a 13-page preview of the manuscript up in the next couple of hours. Yeah. I've been working on it this morning, so it should be up uh, anytime soon. Something to read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of the lore of the game, uh, mm -hmm. so you can get acquainted with some of the factions and sort of why the uh the conflict is happening where it's happening uh that information well i wanted to say thank you so much gavin and andrea um i appreciate your time and uh really excited to um kind of jump into a quick start of this and you know um take it out for a drive with my little yeah. RPG, rpg group that's awesome thank you um looking forward to the kickstarter and um the publication and everything else that comes around uh which is midnight thank, thank you. you thanks for listening to the rpg academy podcast we do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors welcoming more people into this community all of our website content will always be free to use and utilize but there are expenses related to the show and if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. 
If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.